But um, basil juice, also known as Beetlejuice, also known as Bagel Zeus, also known as the B-52s. Welcome to Rhythm Encounter Episode 60, the RPG Fan Music Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Salvato, and on the side, I'm Editor-in-Chief of RPG Fan. You might have heard of it. Today, I'm joined by two co-hosts. I, we have Mike Solosi. Hi, I'm Mike Solosi, and I'm on the side. I am the host for RPG Fan's Retro Encounter Podcast. And we have Zach Wilkerson as well. Your first time on Rhythm Encounter. That's true. And on the side, I... Do some feature stuff. I do some review stuff. Whatever we need. All right. I think I think there's way too much modesty going on here. <laughs> uh, on the side, your feature stuff is running all of the features on the site. So <laughs> you know, I just want to put that out there. It's like, I, uh, I do some feature stuff and Slowsy does some podcast stuff, even though you do more podcasts than anyone on the site. Uh, I, I, maybe I should say that the number of episodes of Retro Encounter are roughly the number of Rhythm and Random combined. Yes. Yeah, that's fair. That really puts, uh, puts it in perspective. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I'm excited about today's episode. This was, I forget who came up with the, the topic idea, but it, it came up a few months ago because the show was off the air for several years and someone suggested that we do an episode that focused specifically on music or games that released during the time when Rhythm Encounter was basically off air. So all of our selections today were for games that came out during that time period, which was, I wish I had that right in front of me. Oh, wait, I do. So basically, if a game came out between July 29th, 2017 and September 7th, 2020, we could bring it on. So we weren't sticking to any particular theme or a composer or anything like that. It was specifically a time frame. So anything that we cover in that time frame was game for this episode. So we have quite a cool mix of songs here. So I'm excited to get into this. I mean, Mike, you say that there isn't really a format or a theme here, but I did sort of pick my tracks with a specific theme that I will, I, I, I guess, explain in the next few minutes. Yeah, I mean, I did too. Uh, and I, I guess I can explain it later, but like, I, I think that, my two favorite soundtracks that have come out ever for RPGs came out in the last four years. And those are the two that I'm recognizing today. All right, then I'll, I'll go ahead with mine too. Mm -hmm. um, I picked um, two so songs from two soundtracks I like a lot, but uh, in summer of 2017, RPG fan was not even covering these series yet because they were broad maybe more broadly uh, RPG adjacent or, or action games with RPG elements, but we started covering them in earnest in 2018. So I'm happy to share them with you for this episode. It, it's kind of funny that we didn't really cover them much before then, because now, only a couple years later, I very, very strongly associate both of those series with you. Extremely <laughs> fair. Um, one of, and I'll go in. I'll go into my history with them uh, later, but. Uh, uh, yeah, those are, I, I mean, in the last episode I was on, I did Persona and uh, FF14, and before then I did, like, East and, and uh, Bravely. Like, I, I can only pick Solosi games when I'm on Rhythm Encounter. I'm, I'm a, a little bit, I can't help but be myself on these, on these podcasts, which I love to record. <laughs> 
I mean, that's fair. Like, I wouldn't want you here as anyone except you. I am incapable of being anyone else besides me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what did you and yourself bring as our first track today? Right. Um, so I picked the song The Invading Tyrant Basil Jews from Monster Hunter World. Uh, and uh, we'll talk about Monster Hunter and Basil Jews and other things right after this. Yes, we will. All right. And after that, Zach has our second song today. I brought Counterattack from Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and uh, we'll talk about its amazing use during cutscenes in that game. All right, sounds good. So let's go listen to Monster Hunter and Xenoblade.
So, uh, the invading tyrant, Basil Juice. Uh, Basil Juice is one of the monsters in the second half of the game of Monster Hunter World, which came out in 2018 worldwide. It's the first game in the fifth generation of Monster Hunter. I, I'm, I will try to not go deep into backstory, but I've been playing Monster Hunter games since the PSP ones in the late 2000s. Then I took a break, and then I got real deep into Monster Hunter for like five months in 2018. So if, if I seem to be on not as many episodes of Retro around that time, this is the number one culprit. But um, Basil Juice, also known as Beetlejuice, also known as Bagel Zeus, also known as the B-52s. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it's, a monster that, it's a monster that has a, uh, an unusual tendency to, um, to, to, instead of sort of just living its life and you, the hunter, stalking it and trying to kill or capture it, it goes after you. So in, in the second half of Monster Hunter World, in many, many situations, you'll be, you'll be hunting another monster and then a basil juice that just happens to be in the region will seek you out and then attack both you and the other monster. It's, it's a party crasher. It's, um, and it sort of is introducing this mechanic of monster versus monster and interfering with the hunter in a way that becomes a big problem um, until you learn how to deal with it by literally taking monster poop turning it into bombs or arrows and then shooting the monsters to have them separate from each other. But the music of the Basil Juice theme, the invading tyrant, uh, you'll be fighting against something else, let's say, a, I don't know, a Toby Kodachi or something, and then you hear the, you hear those, uh, the, you hear the strings come in, and then the, the brass, boom, 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 yeah. and then you're like, oh no, oh no, oh no, Basil Juice in the, in the, in the zone, Basil Juice in the zone, gotta get my dung bombs, gotta get away, gotta get away, and it's, it, and it's a powerful effect, uh, both gameplay-wise, uh, and like and situationally and because it's just a cool song on its own uh, and and it yeah it represents a giant wyvern with exploding scales that will drop the scales on you like a uh, like a World War II bomber plane. I mean that's appropriate too because like the the song sounds almost like a march. Like uh, I know it's like uh, I, I feel like there's like sort of a rhythm to it that makes it feel very like World War II newsreel as I'm watching it or like a World War II movie. So that, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, I, I can hear that. I like that. Um, I I do like when games can pull that off. Um, I I want to reference a game that Solosi hasn't started yet, so I won't do it huh? unless you already know about it. But th- there's a musical thing in Outer Wilds that has that same effect. Where like there's a certain song that starts at a certain point when you're playing, and it it lets you know what is going to happen. And I love when the, when the song can do that. Right. Yeah. So I, I like that that's used in that way in this game too. I mean, I was thinking of a much more lowbrow, like lowbrow example, uh, something like, um, like in a wrestling match where you hear like, Oh no, that's the undertaker's music. And then, and then, you know, things get a little bit more chaotic, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like, like this musical theme introduces something very specifically. And once the player makes the connection between theme and event, uh, and the music becomes recurring, then like the, the music will be, uh, oh, trigger is too strong a word, but, but like it becomes an introduction or an announcement that affects gameplay in an important way. And um, Basil Jews is, is like, when you first start encountering them, they are just impossible to deal with. It, they're, uh, they, they're much stronger than you. You definitely were preparing for a different monster to hunt and not the Basil Juice. So... Um, it takes multiple missions of learning how to avoid them before you can take one on um, on your on your own. And like that whole monster hunter arc of seeing a stronger monster, feeling impossibly weak and helpless against these stronger monsters until you sort of master the game's mechanics 
and learn about your environment and learn about the monsters until suddenly hunting a basil juice be something that becomes routine instead of something that seemed impossible um, a few missions or hours ago. Like, like that is part of the satisfaction of playing Monster Hunter. But Beasel Juice is a real bad mother lover the first time that, the first couple times <laughs> you hear that theme with the violin coming in while you're hunting something else. And then everything becomes chaos for a minute while you're trying to get away and save yourself. Uh, it, like it's experience, experiences like that that made Monster Hunter World one of my favorite games of the past five years. I, uh, I subscribed to PlayStation Plus for the first time just to play Monster Hunter World with my friends. And even though I, 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 I fell off it a little bit, like I played it a huge amount for five months and then occasionally for another five months. And then I, I haven't played the game in probably over a year. But like m- moments like the basil juice music hitting and, and, uh, and chaos ensuing are parts of why I, I, I've loved Monster Hunter off and on for, I don't know, about 12 or 13 years now. Whenever, whenever Monster Hunter Freedom 2 came out in the United States. I mean, I think it's really cool that you, I mean, because like, I had no idea, like, listening to the song, because I haven't played Monster Hunter World, that it was, like, something that was, like, a surprise or something that you weren't sure about. But I feel like, like, the the music itself is really ominous. Like, the horns, like, are really ominous as they're coming in. Like, there's, like, that sort of, like, that swirling violin um, underneath mm. it. Like, it kind of, like, continues, like, your terror at the moment. And I, um, I just assumed that it was, like, a boss that was, like, really hard but like the idea that it's like this thing that's constantly something you're worried about is really cool and that makes like sort of what i was thinking about the music even cooler and he's a scary mofo too it's it's this big scaly dragon that has that looks like a pangolin or something but then its scales can glow red and pop off its body and explode like grenades so like when you (laughs) when you hear the music it's a whole process you hear the music you see the shadow loom over you because it's pretty big and then you start and then you see um like things fall from the sky and explode all around you so when you hear the music and see the shadow you got a gtfo and <laughs> and and get ready to um to either escape that encounter or prepare to handle two monsters instead of one uh, i think it's inappropriately um i'm not gonna say epic it's not it kind of is that, but there's something else to it. But Zach compared it to a, a military march of sorts earlier, and it makes it's it's sort of to me it's sort of operatic. It's like it's like it's like Wagner. It's it's very big and dramatic. Yeah, and it's making okay. a big statement. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm watching a Riefenstahl movie when I see it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So uh, and ultimately, to me, it's a uh, it, it's a signal that basil juice is coming for your ass, and it's it's like it's like a, a wrestler's entrance theme. <laughs> yeah, is it, again was the. Uh, first comparison my adult brain made. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, it works, so why not? I, I mean, hey, uh, 25 years ago, you heard the bi- the the breaking glass and knew uh, Stone Cold was going to come out and beat up Vince McMahon <laughs> or something. You got excited. That's true. I- I'm sure you did. <laughs> for, for wrestler themes and character themes, the most important part is the first three seconds. Because it has to, because like the fan or the player or whatever has to know exactly who that represents and then get excited and, and get primed for them to make the appearance. I'm trying to think of a good joke about a Monster Hunter uh, wrestling crossover <laughs> game, but I don't, I don't have one. Uh, maybe in Monster Hunter Rise, uh, you'll be able to fight the Lucha Dragons. <laughs> Wait, are those real? Uh, no, the Lucha Dragons were a, Mex- were a, a tag team from a couple years ago. <laughs> okay. They were Luchadors, yeah. Okay, okay. But not in Monster Hunter. Not in Monster Hunter, no. Okay. But you can fight a Monster Hunter monster in an arena in Final Fantasy XIV, which I'm sure you're well aware of. That's true. Yeah. Well, yes. 
I may have done that once or twice. I, I have fought the crossover monster in both games, and I think I like it in FF4 better because the behemoth in Monster Hunter World has an instant kill meteor that is really hard to deal with. <laughs> oh. It's pretty easy to deal with in Final Fantasy XIV, so yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. The Rathalos in Final Fantasy XIV introduces Monster Hunter rules into the extreme version. So if, if any character dies, uh, if, there, if the t entire team dies three times, then the mission's failed. Mm-hmm. It, you only have you only have four people instead of the trial instead of eight. You can only heal with potions, and you have a limited number of them. Uh, there's no there's no uh, air, area of effects um, zones or tells. You have to watch the monster to avoid its attacks. It's 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 pretty crazy what uh, Yoshi P did to inject some Monster Hunter into Final Fantasy XIV. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty impressed they went that far with it to yeah. change standard expected mechanics for that. So, but 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 the cool. the normal version of the trial is more FF14 and less and less monster yeah. hunting. The, the normal it, version it, it, is it, not bad. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, cool design decision. Definitely. So, segue. <laughs> Didn't have one. I was trying to work the word counterattack into that. Something about counterattacking Arathlos. I mean, I, I think speaking of operatic would have worked. That's maybe. a good one. That that would work. Yeah, let's go back in time and do that. <laughs> All right. Speaking um, of operatic, Zach. <laughs> uh, so counterattack uh, from Xenoblade 2. So those of you who haven't played Xenoblade 2, maybe you've played Xenoblade 1. Um, counterattack is definitely like the engage the enemy of Xenoblade 2. It's very similar musically in terms of like the way it will like drop and then like come back stronger and things like that. But counterattack is... Honestly, probably my favorite track from it, uh, both because in game, like it, whenever Counterattack is playing in game, it's playing over a cutscene usually, and it's usually like like one of the major cutscenes towards like the ends of one of the chapters. So like at the end of chapter one, when you're trying to get off the boat, Counterattack is playing. And the thing that always amazes me about Counterattack in game, more than anything, is the way that they manage to match like the musical beats. So, like, as you're, like, hearing it get quieter for a moment and then, like, those strings, like, come back in again strong, like, it's always, like, a, an exulting moment in the cutscene. Um, and they did a little bit in Xenoblade 1 as well, but I think they actually do that even better in Xenoblade 2. And, and so, like, for me, like, it, it, it's such, a, like, an exulting operatic song uh, because, like, like the guitar drive, uh, like, the way, like, the strings are, like, these big swell like it's usually something that if i heard like in another context i think i would think it was cheesy <laughs> if i'm being honest but I, I think that in the context of xenoblade 2 because like it's it really is like kind of anime and it really is kind of over the top in it's storytelling but also like very grounded in its own way as well like i i feel like it it really works for me and like anytime like i need to get pumped up for something like i i have something that i i need to go do like i need to be ready for it like I'm throwing on engage the enemy and then counterattack over and over and over again because like I it's like it, it like there's an emotional exaltation to the the songs for me that really works. Hmm. Okay. Sounds like I have something to add to my my playlist myself then. Okay. Uh, two things. First of all, my pump up track from Xenoblade One is "You Will Know Our Names," not engage Excellent the enemy. Choice. Excellent but, choice. But 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 both both choices are great. <laughs> there's 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 no wrong answer here. And second, um, you're saying speaking of operatic, that, like one of the very uh, in my brief notes about this song because um, I, I have not played Xenoblade 2 and I don't know the soundtrack that well even though it's uh, like bits and pieces of it have been shared many different places so I, I know a little but but no, have no functional knowledge of Xenoblade 2 um, was that this song is a rock opera absolutely it, 
Yeah. It, it, it 100% is. It has this, um, this it's, uh, it, it uses the instrumentation of traditional rock music with, with guitars and big drums and basses with a limited orchestra, which is, you know, um, that's true of Xenoblade 2 and Xenoblade 1, uh, mixing those two kinds of voices together. But this will have like big uh, soaring rock riffs and then a much quieter contemplative part I, th I think i think it's in three separate phases like first is it's guitar and strings then it's more, then it's more piano and strings then the third one has a really nice little bass solo like in the around the three quarters mark of the song the, mm -hmm. the third quiet phase but by alternating these big energetic rock riffs with uh with with more quiet breaks it's like a wave um rising and falling or cresting and crashing and uh it, it makes me think of like I, I don't know, like a sports montage or something, where Rocky will be running <laughs> yeah. up the, uh, running up a mountain and then pausing at the at, at the summit to think of Adrian or meet or something for a few minutes, and then and then go back into into like like punching the side of a rock wall or something. Like it like it it, it balances these mo moments of intensity with contemplation that that, that felt like a rock opera w where I'm 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 watching scenes of action interspersed with uh with, with soliloquies. Or uh, like an anime opening where it's everyone excited jumping to the song in between someone like gazing at the sky and then the camera panning upward. Like like it, like this song felt like it was a training montage or a music video or telling a story <laughs> in some way that that was really really interesting. This song's a journey. Yeah, and I think that it tracks like uh, and when you play it and you should. I I, I know I'm like maybe the Xenoblade Two stand on staff, but like it, it tracks that exact like sort of up and down that you're talking about through the cutscenes, um, and that and I, I think that to some degree like they design the cutscenes like sort of around the way the rhythm of the song goes and it makes it work incredibly well for me personally i think i am in chapter two or three in xenoblade 2 i'm sorry to say so i don't know if i have the quite the context you do or i probably have heard it but it was a couple years ago but i definitely like listening to it today yeah, I mean, it, it at the end of chapter one, it plays. Yeah. Okay. No, no, it's 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 a good listen. The part you mentioned too, the where it rises and goes back down and comes back in. It, it's, you know, even if you don't have much context in the game, or if you're like me and you forgot some of the context of the game, it's kind of has a fun journey on its own. Just the song itself. So, yeah, good stuff. I guess I should get back and play that, but someone has told me that there's another game I have to go back and finish before I play any others. I, I will say that there is maybe a game that I liked even more in the 2010s than Xenoblade 2. Just one, though, actually. <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, what what game do you think that would be? I think it might be Nier Automata. Mm, really? Nier Automata. It's, it, I seem to remember talking about that on a podcast with you, Zach. I seem to remember that as well. Look where we are again. It'd be really great if we had a song from that on this episode. I know, right? Um, so <laughs> uh, I think we're going to have two songs in the next block, right? Yes. Uh, and the first one will be City Ruins Shade from Nier Automata. See, that was a much better segue than my last one. <laughs> All right. Now now I've, I've at least broke even. So, yeah, I'm excited for that. I'm slowly finally getting through that game myself, so it'll be fun to talk about it. I had not played the game before uh, until playing it earlier this year for the podcast, and I, I want to say February. But um, it is worth it. That is a special video game with a wonderful soundtrack that we will explore very soon. Oh, yes. So another game that we missed during this hiatus and somehow, somehow 
have not featured on the show since we came back in September, and I'm actually surprised about that. Me too. Is Final Fantasy VII Remake. So I, I figured we should have it on this episode since it's a fairly notable game in the last few years. So after we do our near song, we're going to listen to Tifa's theme from Remake. So yeah, that's all I got. Uh, let's go listen to City Ruins and Tifa's theme, Seventh Heaven.
So, um, City Ruin Shade is the overworld theme that plays if you're in the City Ruins um, in the C route of Nier Automata. And um, at least one pe- person on this podcast, in fact, it's our host, has not gotten to the C route. And I don't want to really spoil it one way or the other. Yes, we, we, will, we will have to tiptoe around spoilers yeah. for that. But I will say... Um, you know, there is sort of a move, and I don't really think this is a, this is a, a spoiler for anyone who's played any of Nier Automata. There is a move towards sort of progressive hopelessness over the course of the game. And City Ruin Shade plays when I think the game is at its most hopeless, when you're in the City Ruins in those moments during Route C. And I think that what's fascinating about City Ruin Shade to me is actually kind of taking it in contrast to City Ruins Rays of Light, which is in some ways, like sort of a more melancholic piece. Like it's a little more sparse. There's a little bit less going on in City Ruin, the Rays of Light. Whereas City Ruin Shade hits you with um, like these big um, sort of orchestral sounds almost immediately. And like these really like beautiful, ethereal, dreamlike vocals as well. Uh, and it all sort of works together, I think, to create this like really beautiful sound. And, uh, you know, I, I, Nier Automata is my second favorite game of all time. It is my favorite game of the last decade by far. And I think that one of the things that makes it work so well is that is the way they play around with sound when like you're at your darkest. And I feel like City Ruins shade is a little bit less dark. And I don't want to give too much away about where the game goes, but I think that there is something to the fullness of the sound there that there wasn't earlier that I think is significant to the ending and also makes the sound the song maybe even more beautiful than it already is. And I, and I, I know there are a lot of other great songs on the soundtrack. Big Hope is amazing. Uh, Way to the World, of course, is incredible. But for me, just like, I would just sit and like, <laughs> like I would just like walk around the city ruins uh, and just like listen to like this beautiful music as I'm like sort of soaking in like the hopelessness of Nier Automata, which I'm not really sure if that makes sense, but it was true. Um, every time I've played it, and I've played it probably more times than I should admit, uh, I think it's just a lovely, lovely track um, for a moment in the, in the story that is not so lovely. Yes, um, uh, I, I fully agree with you, Zach. And I think that I, again, trying to avoid spoilers, I want to just point out a couple of the... I guess metaphors or epithets just in the title of the song. Like this is the overworld song for the city ruins that are, is sort of the central hub area in near automata. And before a certain event, it's city ruins, ray of light. And after that event, it's city ruins shade. And uh, which you mentioned, but I mean, this is an event takes place in between those two songs being represented on the world map where it's like a character that was the ray of light, that was the light of someone's life is extinguished in a way. And now all that remains is, is shade or darkness. And so the tone of City Ruins Shade versus City Ruins Ray of Light is, um, it, it's a little sadder and a little bit more, a little bit more staccato. Like, like, like the guitar that is the, the quarter notes in, in Shade versus the much softer, brighter piano in City Ruins Ray of Light makes me think that this song it has grim determination behind it. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's a character who is hardened as a result of that event and now wants revenge or wants, um, wants retribution, which, which I mean, those are basically the same word, but uh, like, like, like there's a coldness to city ruins shade that is there. That was not there in uh in city ruins, ray of light. 
that that I think makes like makes the change in in uh, in arrangement between the songs because they are the same song. It's, it, like it's it's not it's not like a, a minor arrangement or a totally different sounding song. It's a it, it just like the instrumentation and tone are different, but it's much it's a much colder tone that I think makes City Ruins Shade a, a more powerful listen with if you have some context. I wish I had that context. Um, I can talk about city ruins in general. That doesn't really help us much today, but I think it does. <laughs> well, a little bit. You you touched on it a little bit, Zach. Though, but one of the things I do think is interesting about both versions of the song is that I think this says a lot about Mir's music in general. But you know, like you said, this is the theme song for like the main hub world, and it's like I don't feel like it should be that good. <laughs> it didn't have to go that hard. <laughs> and it did. <laughs> right, right. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of games out there that have these hub worlds. And, you know, a lot of the times, eventually, you you hear the music so much. And it either, maybe it, sometimes it gets old. Or maybe, you know, a lot of games would maybe do a really subtle song there. Because, like, they know you're going to hear it a lot. So they don't overdo it. So it's kind of like a, a mellow, like, meant to be a background song. This, this song no. is not. Like, you are meant to listen to the song. And... Every time I'm running around anywhere in the game, I don't think I will get tired of it. I don't know. I just feel like I feel like it's way too good for where it's used, but I'm okay with that. I, I, I've been listening to it for three years and I'm not tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it really captures the loneliness of this version of yeah. Earth and like with knowing what the conflict that you're navigating uh, through most of the game is like, like there's a there's a certain hopelessness in the in the tone of Nier Automata and and they uh, like a what are we fighting for what what's the point of this is it worth it kind of question that's asked over and over that I think this song sort of enhances that feeling yeah and I think that one of the things that is more interesting to me too like I feel like because it's fuller like you also have like a much fuller understanding of like what the narrative is at that point too and I think that is part of what's happening there um but like the, the 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 vocals are just like so like mournful, um, and you get so many more of them in the shade version of it because I think you know more about like the pointlessness of this world. I, I I don't I don't know what to say about it except for like I can't imagine an overworld theme being like better than City Ruins Shade. It's 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 just amazing. It's my favorite track in the, on the soundtrack, and that is a high bar. Yeah, that's saying something. Do I want to know how many different albums for this game oh, you can't. own? Uh, well, you and someone else may have recently purchased a record for me. Ooh, uh, cool! A couple, a few no, records I for me. In fact, um, I don't know, probably like a dozen, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot out there. In in early 2018, when I was playing a ton of Monster Hunter World, I imported three Monster Hunter albums all at once. The <laughs> The, the the world soundtrack and two earlier soundtracks uh, or two earlier collections one that was all town music and one that was all monster music yeah I mean I guess some of the albums that I have are from OG Nier and I do really love one song from the original Nier maybe even more than this one so but I might we might talk about that in a later episode mm. maybe maybe all all I, I know about I OG like... Nier's music is that after the uh, um, puppets bunker raid was introduced to Final Fantasy fourteen. I uh, that introduced me to um, uh, the Dark Colossus destroys all, and I listened to that song approximately one thousand times the oh, month after discovering. I it. can't <laughs> wait until you do that raid, Mike. Please come come over to. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna do that raid. I, I, I just me, don't please. know when. <laughs> I, I I podcast a lot. I play a lot of different games. 
Well, you'll find time eventually. Also, not well. You brought it up, so it's not really to do with this song. But I didn't know that there was a Monster Hunter album just for town themes, and I think that's pretty great. Yeah, it, they were. It was two theme, uh, two CDs released simultaneously. One was called uh, Monster Hunter First Twelve Years Life, and Monster Hunter First Twelve Years Hunt, and and life and life is all town themes, and Hunt was all monster themes. It was. It, it's 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 a really wow. really nice little double feature. Yeah, that's cool. I don't know if they've done anything like this since then but like several years ago blizzard did release a an album for world of warcraft that was just tavern music and i thought that was oh that is too. cute yeah if, if if ubisoft did an album that was just the pirate shanties in assassin's creed 4 or just or <laughs> or just the storytelling uh, uh tavern music in, in assassin's creed syndicate i would i would i would buy either of those <laughs> that would be fun i do love myself a good tavern theme mm. Yeah, every time you kill a different mission in Assassin's Creed Syndicate, um, the 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 piano player in the tavern comes up with a different song about your exploits. <laughs> it's, it's 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 pretty awesome. And um and Austin Wintory did okay. all of that music. He's uh he's he's brilliant. Yeah. All right, that's pretty fun. I don't have my segue into my tavern anymore. Okay. Um. <laughs> I guess I guess Seventh Heaven isn't really a tavern. It's a bar, it's, it's, right? It's, come on, bar and tavern okay, are, if not synonyms, really close. I agree. That's true. They are. They are. I don't know. I didn't want to just say they were the same because I expected someone might be like, well, actually. <laughs> OK, well, uh, I mean, Zach is an like English that. teacher. A bar is actually a sandwich. Z- Zach is an English teacher, and I am maybe the most well actually person on RPG fan. So so your fears may have been justified. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Final Fantasy VII remake soundtrack is massive. I've only heard parts of it since, of course, like everything else, I haven't finished the game yet. But the original soundtrack has over 150 songs. And that doesn't even count the the Plus album. There was a Final Fantasy VII Remake Plus album that came out, I think, December 23rd. It was, it was like literally like right before Christmas. It was the 23rd, yeah. Okay. And somehow it has another 106 tracks. I don't know where all this music goes. I don't know how this much music was fit into this game but i'm i'm happy about it so there's a lot there there's so much new stuff and there's so much really great rearrangements but i i ended up having to go with this one because it just there's something about this version of the song that it hits just the right nostalgic vibes which i think a lot of the music does it it was it's a really interesting thing they did where some of the songs like sound so similar like you can tell it's the same song. I actually had to go back and listen to the original Tifa's theme before because I'm like, how different is this? And it's pretty different. It's just they updated the instrumentation and it's it's great, but it's still so true to the original. So I, I'm glad about that. I'm glad about the stuff that they kept in the game and how they worked in things like the main theme, the overworld theme. Because unless I'm remembering wrong, you don't normally hear that until you leave Midgar in the original game, yeah, right? that's true. Mm-hmm. So I was glad that was in here because I would have been sad if it didn't make it into like part two. Yeah, I was going to say that, yeah, I, mean, I think nostalgia is the way I would describe this this track. I mean, like, it, it's not just nostalgic as in like everything Final Fantasy VII music and Final Fantasy VII to me is nostalgic because like, man, that I that I go hard on that game when I was, I mentioned before recording that I cried to my mom and my dad to make sure they bought me a PS1. And the, the reason <laughs> was Final Fantasy VII. And, but also like the scene itself that it's like played over, like that I think of when I think of this track is a nostalgic 
scene for the characters in in the story as well. Um, and so, like uh, you know, it's like I feel like that it's like the way they use piano really subtly throughout it, and like the way that the whole thing resolves um, is really beautiful, and it like evokes nostalgia itself as a track um, for a nostalgic moment within the game for us as players a nostalgic moment in our childhood maybe um, which i think is really like sort of fascinating thing. oh that that's so many layers <laughs> of nostalgia that i wasn't i wasn't thinking deep enough and i love that <laughs> maybe that's why because like for for me it's however many you know i guess it depends on how you play the game but let's say it's a few hours in um, when you get to this point and hear the song and get to seventh heaven that I was enjoying the game. I was enjoying remake up till that point anyway. But then when I finally got to hear this song and you get to hang out with Tifa in the bar again, it was it was a very not to be cheesy about it, but it, it was this sense of like, hey, I'm home. Yeah. Um, and I think because of what you said, that's why it's nostalgia for us, but it's also within that world. So I think that's what really made it work for me. So then I was invested in the game, but I was just invested that much more once we get to this point. Yeah, this song is just a cozy armchair. It's it's a warm fire. It, it it evokes the nostalgia of this game that we loved twenty three odd years ago, but is but is um, reimagined beautifully. And 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 Mike, you were mentioning that that you weren't sure how the FF seven arranged album or or I should say original soundtrack is uh, something like one hundred and fifty songs. I think it's because that they re, uh, they reinterpret so many final fantasy songs multiple times like like you'll you'll get multiple versions right. of, of those who fight further and the genova theme and others because every encounter that uses one of those is a new arrangement and uh and so, so many of these songs like get context specific arrangements that the just the volume of music is crazy and if you look at masashi hama uzu's uh resume there's a bit of a gap between alliance alive and ff7 remake so he's been a busy busy man over the past couple of years, <laughs> composing and assembling all yeah. of these, and and, and uh, this is no disrespect at all, but this was the song I had to pre I had to study the least before preparing for this episode, because uh, whether I know the song or not, um, I got a list of between six and eight or nine tracks for an episode of uh, Rhythm Encounter, and I'll listen to them sort of maybe three or four times in a row, usually spread over two days, and and try to think of specific things with each re-listen. But I know this song so well because I have the Tifa theme on my PS4, and this song has been the menu music of my PS4 since May. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I did. You ate enough Butterfingers, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I did the thing where you had to buy two Nestle candy bars and uh, and and submit a code, and then get an email that lets you um <laughs> that lets you uh, get the Tifa theme early. It be eventually became free to people over the summer, I think. But I, I like the PS4 theme because it has a it's it's a nice dark color so I can see the icons on it clearly. And it's just a warm, friendly, nostalgic song that's pleasant to listen to and not grating. So it was it was an ideal PS4 theme to me. And I and I, I know the song very well because of that. But uh, it, it's just so beautiful and invoke and evokes a very specific moment in 1997 that is recreated in such a cool way in 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 uh in 2020 you, you you like you see the struggles of individual townspeople in uh in sector seven or uh is it sector it is sector seven right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in yeah in sector seven in the in remake but also you see the you see the the light the fake sun in the sky that the plate holds there and it and it just it just made you think of the struggle of the people in the slums in a different way 
playing the remake versus playing the game uh, a long time ago. And like uh, the, when you go into t- into Seventh Heaven Bar in the Final Fantasy remake, you get this whole not, uh, everything's changed, but everything stays the same feeling. And and again, the song is just so pretty and and uh, just sink. You can just sink into it. It's great. Also, I, I want more oboe, like like more oboe solos in uh-huh. RPG music, please. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. bring on the double reeds. I'll 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 accept a uh, a cor anglais like the like the second movement of from the new world as a substitute. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> well, let, let's let's let them know for for part Good. two of remake. Excellent. Right? Yep. Yep. Um, so if if anyone listening has not listened to episode fifty nine yet, we did a winter uh, a winter theme episode, and in that case, I was bringing a song that. I enjoyed listening to on my PS4 menu for several mm-hmm. years. Correct. So I don't, I didn't really do this on purpose. I had no idea that that was your menu. And then I keep bringing on like people's PS4 menu yeah. themes. So I, 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 I'm curious what's going to happen next. Episode. When I saw that you chose this song and I loaded up the, the link that you sent to make sure it was the same arrangement on the, on the PS4 theme. I did double think like, wait a second. Didn't Mike just tell us about his PS4 theme? Like, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Weird coincidence. That was that was completely unintentional. Uh, we there was no preparation for this. Mine is near related, but it yeah. is not city ruins. Mm, okay. <laughs> I oh oh my god, Mike. Do you want to transition? Because I have a transition for you. Oh, okay. Well, I was gonna say something about Butterfingers, but no. <laughs> I recently changed my PS4 theme music. And but it, like it was seventh heaven from uh, let, let's say early May 2020 to late December 2020. But I recently changed it because in mid December I started playing Yakuza Kiwami 2 and changed it to the soundtrack that came with the Yakuza collection. So, um, in the for the last block of songs that we're doing for this episode, I am introducing uh, Rhythm Encounter to Yakuza. Uh, so yeah, this is this is not the menu music that comes with the Yakuza collection. Uh, but uh, my song for uh, the last block is a scattered moment from Yakuza Kiwami 2, and that game came out in late 2017 in Japan, I think in November or December, and then uh, 2018 worldwide. So it still fits the theme. Yes, I was very careful to make sure not to break the rule you set. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wasn't worried about that. Yeah, so that's exciting. So. I know I already brought a song from Time Spinner a few episodes ago, so I don't want to overdo Time Spinner, but boy, boy, did I really like Time Spinner when it came out. If you've listened to just this episode, let alone any other show, you you might notice that I have a tendency to start games and not finish them, even after years. Something about Time Spinner, it was that rare game where I not only finished it, but I finished it three times in a row. Mm -hmm. So I brought, after your Yakuza song, Surpassing Authority from Time Spinner. So let's go and listen to A Scattered Moment and Surpassing Authority, and we'll be back after that.
So, a, a scattered moment. Uh, this is the final boss fight in Yakuza Kiwami 2. Uh, it's also the final boss fight in Yakuza 2 regular for the PS2. But um, this is the big fancy remake from late 2017. And uh, before we talk about the song itself, I want to give a little context. This is the final boss of the game. It's You're fighting a, a guy named Goda. And it's clear from like hour one of the game that Goda is going to be the final boss of Yakuza 2. He... Uh, um, like uh, Kiryu is brought out of retirement, the, the famous Yakuza protagonist. Um, he goes out of he goes to uh, Osaka to try and negotiate a big a big deal between Yakuza clans to prevent a war. And uh, Goda is a boss within that other clan who stages a coup to try and start the war. And there's another conspiracy hidden under that about something that happened 30 years earlier. And, and also both Goda and Kiryu have giant dragon tattoos on their backs and are referred to as the dragon of their specific clans. So for the whole game, Kiryu is avoiding a fight. He wants to prevent war. Goda wants nothing more than war and wants nothing more to fight the other dragons so one can eat the other. He Like, like Goda has a this town is, isn't big enough for the two of us attitude, while Kiryu has a why can't we all just be, be friends and stop and stop killing each other attitude. So, this whole game, you fight Goda multiple times. Um, I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten to the end of Yakuza Kwame 2 yet. But I've listened to the soundtrack a lot, and I've already fought Goda twice. Um, and like, but by the end of the game, you understand that Goda is, uh, like, like, like Kiryu, ha- is this overwhelmingly good person who always want is trying to help others and uh, and and be there for his uh, for his chosen family of of of, uh, of gangsters. While Goda has weird expectations and a horrible upbringing and has sort of only known violence and fighting and he wants nothing more than to fight Kiryu. So the final encounter has this, is this epic song that has, uh, uh, that has just beautiful piano, uh, cascading piano runs and, uh, and like, and, and, and sort of a, uh, like, a, like grim, but uh, epic guitar riffs in it. That like it's it's a clash between two men of different ideals and like in a way where Kiryu is almost trying to cleanse Goda or save Go- Goda by punching him, <laughs> and and you, you get that feeling or feelings feelings like that in Yakuza a lot because they have these very specific ideas of masculinity and code and honor that uh w- w- and people with different values of those things sort of coming to a clash and and Yakuza Kiwami too like sets up this clash for the whole game between Kiryu and Goda and just uses a completely epic boss fight song for the final fight that I um, have not experienced in game myself yet. I, again, I, I think this game is in the 12 to 15 chapter range and I'm on chapter six. And, uh, but I cannot wait to experience it for myself because it is such an epic track. Yeah, I mean, it, oh, uh, it so is. Yeah, I mean, of all the tr- new tracks that I heard, I think this is my favorite. And I'm glad that you, I mean, I, the, the things about like him being, having like a different code, like I feel like there's like sort of like a mournful quality to this song. Like the piano is like driving the melody, but like there's like this sort of like underneath it all, like it feels like there's like this sort of like mournful idea of this being like sort of a an encounter that's a little bit sad in some ways. And I feel like, and maybe I'm just making that up, but like it, it feels like if there is a clash of ideals, that makes sense. Like this idea that like someone has to lose in the situation. And if he has like these ideals that he's trying to live up to, that makes sense to me, at least personally. A lot of, a lot of um, 
big encounters in the Yakuza series are uh, sometimes you're trying to rescue someone or protect someone. There's usually a specific motivation uh, behind every character trying to fight you, but a lot of them come down to uh, the clashes of ideals between Kiryu and someone else. And and I think Gota's like probably the best Yakuza villain I've encountered in my uh, my short time being obsessed with the series. <laughs> Uh, and and this this track is just so good. Uh, like the uh, and even going, I even looked into the um, P- original PS2 version, and the melody's unchanged. It's it's a it's a little bit less heavily produced, but the but the piano uh, is is preserved almost one to one from the PS2 to the PS4 version. So it's a pretty faithful update. Yes, it, it uh, um, musically this battle is a faithful update, um, and the story is a faithful update. But everything you can do in the city is way better in kiwami too like uh um there's a like like from yakuza 5 onwards the the series has become the sort of playground action rpg that were that i've grown to really love and the games before that are don't quite hit that level oh really okay i guess i had the impression that that's just that's the series in general i mean it is but it really exploded when they started working on the when it hit the ps4 era from all of the research and video watching I've done, everyone's favorite Yakuza game is either like, is is one made after 2013. <laughs> like, um, unless you're a real contrarian. Because because that's when the series sort of uh. hit a, um, a level of technical mastery that lived up to the ambition of the older games. And, 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 and everything sort of comes together really, really well. But uh, fortunately from that year i mentioned we have uh five six zero remakes of one and two and uh, the extremely brilliant yakuza 7 which is definitely going to be on a lot of uh rpg fan staffs game of the year lists oh yeah i mean i haven't even looked yet to see how many but i'm sure it's on quite a few (laughs) yes is it (laughs) i i have i don't know the results yet um because we're recording this in late december but i i personally hope that uh yakuza uh, like a dragon is well represented in game of the year i i hope is my personal hope there's a there's some other big hitters this year it's gonna be a tough one <laughs> i don't doubt it well one of these days i will play it and know the problem is i i hear people i hear songs like this or people talk about the other ones like i hear zero is another pretty good starting point right but I should play seven. I should play seven because that's the one I have right now. I think that zero, Kiwami one, or seven are all great starting points. Okay. But if you're if you're playing Yakuza seven uh, like a dragon, and someone says, "Oh, uh, that guy's the only good detective in Kamurocho," or "Oh, that guy's a Tojo Clan legend," like just keep in mind that those were important characters from old games uh, in cameo. That, that's that's all you need to know. Okay, I can live with that. As a person who hasn't played any previous Yakuza games and just played Yakuza seven. It's not a detriment, really. It's not a problem. No. Okay. Cool. But but in the business mini game, when you collect playing cards of just uh, like a hundred different characters, uh, to to you know be the managers of your various properties, a lot of those are NPCs from older games as well. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. So I'm I'm I mean this isn't even an episode of Random Encounter, and we got to do 15 minutes on Yakuza. I, I love it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like it's not only not only you, but now now Zach is into it too. Yep. So. Yeah, it started with Rob Steinman like like two years ago. Then it was Jono last year, and then uh, then me and Eva joined the joined the clan in early 2020. And now Caitlin and Zach are are on board in late 2020. I love it. There's plenty of room on the bandwagon. Mike, join us. Indeed. All right, I'll hop on. But uh, but you are the authority on this podcast, so maybe it's time to talk about surpassing authority. 
<laughs> thank you, thank you. I was looking for it. I was looking for it, but I didn't know what it was. <laughs> ah, all right. I I touched on this a little bit right before, but during our our time away on Rhythm Encountered, one of my favorite uh, discoveries during that time was Time Spinner. Um, it was actually something, unless I'm misremembering, I'm pretty sure I I was one of the a backer on Kickstarter, unless I'm mixing it up with certain some other metroidvanias that still haven't released I, I, yet i seem to remember but... seeing your name in the credits when i finished it <laughs> okay all right that thing was in oh, kickstarter great. limbo for quite a while something like four or five years which one um a time spinner but i mean you could make this you can oh. make the same claim about heart fourth alicia or a bunch of others <laughs> yeah heart fourth alicia and it's like wii u release <laughs> um and i i have no i have no like bad things to say about the developer on that one i mean there's i know there's a team now but i know it's a very small team and they're still updating that that campaign i know they plan to release in 2014 but i mean they're getting there i, I still get i still get those emails mm -hmm. but but, yeah. but but because i still get those emails that's the classic example of a of a of, you know a crowdfunding limbo that i think of but uh but time spinner did come out in 2018 and it was awesome it was yeah i I feel like Time Spinner actually their campaign I think started after Heartforth Alicia, so they started later and released during Alicia's development. But anyway, that's a different story. Point is, I was really happy that it didn't like hang around in limbo too long because it was totally worth waiting for. So the Jeff Ball, the Jeff Ball, uh, the composer of Time Spinner, Jeff Ball, um, I had not actually heard of much before this. Hillary had. Hillary told me a little bit about him. And so, of course, I've picked up some other albums, but he was not on my radar before this game, and now he very much is. So I was reading, actually, I was reading earlier today, because I'm looking at this cool, uh, there's a cool vinyl release for Time Spinner, which is pretty neat. And um, on the description for that, they they mentioned that the music was meant to be influenced by um, Michiru Yamane of Castlevania and other things, but I think a lot of us know her, especially from Castlevania. But yeah, so she was an influence and Mitsuda was an influence. And I think that very much shows here. Oh, yeah. Michiru Yamane was the Castlevania composer for uh, something something like 20 years. Because uh, she worked on the on the Genesis one, Bloodlines, and then became like the sort of signature Castlevania lady from Symphony of the Night onwards. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't want to... I think I said this last time with Time Spinner too. I don't want to just say it's like, it's good because it sounds like Castlevania. Because it, it does do that. But it still does its own thing, and it's but it just evokes that same sense of whatever it is from song to song. Like this one is a sense of adventure or determination or motivation. I don't remember exactly where this one plays. Uh, based on the, the track name, I'm pretty sure it's later in the game. It is. I I, I did a little. I, I mean, I, I remember Time Spinner well. I, I really loved that game um, when it uh, were. I still love it, so yeah, present tense. <laughs> but avoiding some spoilers, there's some time travel mechanics, and there's a uh, at, in, around the middle of the game you go through a medieval castle, and then later in the game you go through a future castle. And this is the uh, theme music for like the first part of the future castle. Oh, okay. mm -hmm. oh, all right. In my head, it was around there, so I guess I was no, no, kind no, of you, right. No, no, you were you were exactly right, right sure. in the right zone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like last quarter of the game. So. If I was Solosi, I would probably describe this song as banging, but I'm not cool enough to say that. 
So if you want to say that, you can. I don't think I'm allowed to. I think he might say dope. <laughs> he might say dope. Oh my God. He might say a lot of things, but I don't. I don't think it, it doesn't sound right when I say it. Like I, that, those are like his words. Oh to God. Me, so. Well, I'm, one of my secret pleasures is he is hearing my regular panelists on Retro Encounter start using the word dope more. Yeah, I'm uh, one of those but, people. <laughs> yeah, but the um, my favorite song from Time Spinner is from an earlier part of the game called Pioneer's Horizon. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, Surpassing Authority is dope. Like it, um, it, it has a lot of forward momentum. Uh, like you get the feeling that you're storming the castle. It, uh, it, it's uh, it's high energy, uh, and and you can hear the Yamane influence in sort of like the in sort of like the kind of not really the instrumentation that Jeff Ball uses, but just just in sort of the sort of the interweaving melodies and um, that you know could be from a platformer or adventure game from 20 years ago. But uh, but without like the gothic undertone of what Castlevania uh, mm -hmm. or Yamane's Castlevania soundtracks have. But this is a great great soundtrack that feels sort of late Super Nintendo or mid PlayStation One in, in terms of like the uh, in, in just in terms of the way they you know have a pulsing kind of melody that uh, that that wants to communicate action and movement, but uh, but just just brilliantly done and and. I think it stands on its own without, you know, only speaking of it in terms of past games. It's a banger. Right. Right. Yep. Thank you for saying it. Zach, what do you think? I, I mean, I, I love Time Spinner. Um, I, to be honest with you, Time Spinner kind of made me a Metroidvania convert. Like, I had never played Symphony of the Night before I played this, and now, like, I bug Slow C almost every month to play Aria Sorrow. No, nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's not an exaggeration. It's been happening for almost a year now. So, yeah, I, I mean, like, I thought the whole soundtrack was fantastic. And I think that, you know, sort of looking at it from a perspective of being like, you know, not just inspired by Castlevania, I do think that you can hear, even in this track, some of the inspirations of like other RPGs. And, like I hear Time Spinner's like art style compared to Chrono Trigger a lot. And I think that's appropriate. Um, and I think that you hear a little bit of that Mitsuda here with like a little bit of more of a cleaner melody than you might have gotten in a Castlevania. I might have been not using the right words for that, but like it feels it feels maybe like a little bit softer, a little bit less crunchy um, than maybe a Castlevania. But it still has that, as Solosi was saying, um, but that, that sort of forward momentum that you feel as you're playing a Castlevania game. And I think that the art style and the soundtrack both were like so hugely important to like me enjoying this game as much as I did, and I enjoyed it a lot. It's an amazing unity of action gameplay and story. I'm sorry, of, of gameplay, story, and uh, a visual and audio presentation. And But, uh, but I mean, you can't deny the in, the incredible amount of Castlevania in, uh, influence oh. here. I mean, they, there's even a dedicated backdash button <laughs> just like Alucard in 1997. Yeah. yeah, so if we haven't made it clear yet, we all highly recommend Time Spinner. Yep. Yes. Like uh, um, I think Alana reviewed it for the site in uh, fall 2018, around when it came out. Yeah. And uh, the, the things like the representation in it, and the uh, and like the just the unity of game design of, of like the the sort of the pace of how the different environments become uh, accessible to the player. It's it, it it's beautifully written and beautifully designed. It's I think it's a one of the best indie action RPGs I've ever played. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. I would drink to that. I played it late, though. I did. I played it. I think um, in in uh, somewhere in the middle of 2019. But it uh, it did not diminish how much I enjoyed it. Yeah. What did you play it on? P 
PS4. I got the platinum trophy because you to get that all you need to do is uh, is get all the endings and find most of the items, which was uh, no trouble at all. I was very motivated to do to do all of those things. Yeah, yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. I, I'm considering picking it up on Switch just to have it somewhere else too. Oh yeah, it would, it would be brilliant doing the you know when the Switch gimmick of switching between uh, handheld and and full screen like when that works it's great and this is a game that would be great on handheld or big screen yeah yeah <laughs> i don't i don't need to go <laughs> on a music podcast explaining like how nice the switch is <laughs> yes <laughs> that was just some unsolicited switch advertising and i apologize yes someone's gonna think we're getting paid by nintendo to do that again man i wish we were getting paid by nintendo to do yeah, it exactly i know right every time i review a switch game i'm like hey yeah. it's really nice to have it on the go but it's true, it is. Mm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So if someone at Nintendo is listening, if you want to advertise with us, like, absolutely <laughs> feel free. If if you are not with Nintendo and want to pay us to, to shill things on podcasts, I, I, I welcome it. I absolutely can be bought. <laughs> okay. Actually, that's a good point. I wasn't trying to limit our potential advertisers. If you have a barbershop in Des Moines, Iowa, and think that Retro Encounter is the advertising you need, I will give my email at the end of the episode. <laughs> Which, actually, we're just about at the end of the episode. That, that, that segue was was so it smooth. Was, it was dope. That that, yeah. that it, like, it, w- it would be my favorite peanut butter. It was so smooth. <laughs> oh, man. I love a good smooth peanut butter. Right? Yeah. You open that seal and you just see this perfect smooth smoothness at the top of the jar that you don't even want to ruin it. But right, I actually I actually keep one that I don't use mm-hmm. just to, so I can look at it once in a while. Oh. And I use the other jar. Oh man, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, thank you both for that episode. That was a lot of fun exploring some of this quote unquote lost music, at least lost to the show. But I, I'm thinking. Many of these games are going to make appearances in future episodes, and I look forward to that. Monster Hunter is an old obsession of mine, and Yakuza is a new obsession of mine, and I will take any opportunity to uh, evangelize those two series. So thank you for uh, for letting me on this episode <laughs> and then share some of uh, my favorite recent uh, Monster Hunter and Yakuza music. Yeah, and thanks for letting me talk about my two favorite soundtracks, like probably ever. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good having you. I'm glad we finally got you on an episode. Me too. So that was our our episode 60. Coming up in episode 61, we were actually coming back to another composer episode. When we brought Rhythm Encounter back in September, our debut episode was a composer-focused one on Mitsuda. So episode 61 is going to be a composer episode on Yoko Shimomura. Um, so that is going to be very interesting. I don't actually know who's going to be on it for sure yet, but I'm looking forward to that episode and everyone's choices. I I have to express my extreme disappointment that uh, RPG Fan does not cover Street Fighter 2 because <laughs> because th- that is the best Yoko Shimomura soundtrack, and I don't think anything can convince me otherwise. I Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I like a lot of her stuff, Street but Fighter that's 2 a good is really point. good. <laughs> It's really good. Well, okay, let's do this. Are you going to be on that episode? Probably not. I, I There's another podcast that demands a lot of my time. That's true. That's true. I've heard of that. But I'll, I'll, I'll be back for a counterattack, but, but, but not the counterattack that Zach brought. <laughs> the counterattack. Gotcha. Gotcha. 
All right. I'm just saying, like, we've bent the rules enough because half of the cast in Smash Brothers Ultimate is from an RPG now that we at least somewhat cover Smash Brothers. And in Smash Brothers, there is Street Fighter music. There is. There are, there are two playable Street Fighter characters and a bunch of Street Fighter music. It's true. Yeah. I don't know if that really counts, but the, the, I don't know. That is really uh, stretching our rules about what is is or isn't an rpg but i i just wanted to sh- i just wanted to say for the record yokushimamura's best work is street fighter 2 and it's a shame that will not be that will not be covered in the next episode but she uh, is an, a composer of such incredible breadth and depth that there will be a lot of amazing music i have no doubt oh yeah she is fantastic okay but wait what if you do one of the street fighter stages and only play fire emblem characters yeah is it an rpg um Hmm. Uh, wow, I stumped you. I didn't know that was possible. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, it's definitely a sandwich, but I don't know if it's an RPG. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. Now I'm getting hungry. When we were earlier in the episode, when off the air here we were talking about pie and now we're talking about sandwiches and and, so the, and there was peanut butter discussion a few minutes ago we're we're just in butter. the business of making each other hungry right now apparently oh okay if you want to reach out to us about the show if you want to send us some feedback which actually i'm going to stop for a second and say we got a really really nice letter from a fan from saudi arabia who sent a great suggestion which will be he suggested an episode we do um, soon, early next year, and we are going to do it. We'll talk about it in a little while, but that will be nice. And that was actually the one of the first pieces of fan mail we've gotten since the show came back. And it was just it was this long, like really nicely written letter. And it was just it was so great to read. Like, I, I don't do this like to get that kind of feedback. I don't think any of us really do. But at the same time, when you get feedback like that, it's really cool. So. I'm I'm glad that I always put out the email every episode because, you know, eventually once in a while you get something like that and it reminds you that yes, people are listening. So, thank you so much for that. So, if you want to send us some feedback or have topic ideas or whatever you want to let us know, you can email us at music@rpgfan.com. At you can email me personally at mike@rpgfan.com. At and for Solosi, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, the best way to get in touch with me is probably Twitter. I am at the Real Monsoon most of the time, at Evoker for Dogs other times. And I'm also the host or the most frequent host of RPG Fans Retro Encounter podcast. So uh, reaching me, me by email or commentary on that show by email, the way to do it is retro at RPGFan.com, especially if you have ad- advertising opportunities. <laughs> yes. Okay, how about you, Zach? Uh, best way to probably reach me is email at zachw at rpgfan.com. You can also find me on Discord at zachw. All right. Sounds good. So if you haven't looked yet in your podcast player of choice, unless you're reading on rpgfan.com, if you are, you already know this, but in your podcast player and on rpgfan, we have a full track list for uh, every song that was on here, along with links to our reviews, uh, places to buy or stream and whatever you can, you know, some albums, you can do both. Some, you can do one or the other, but we try to collect all those for you to, so you can go and buy or listen to the albums and support artists and companies and say, Hey, this is good music. 
we want more of this. So be sure to check that out. Um, you can find, of course, RPG Fan at RPGFan.com. We're also on most social media platforms. So, you know, want to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, check out our Twitch streams. We have a Discord server. We're as many places as we can be. Although we're not on Pinterest yet. Should we be on Pinterest? Is there a cross-section of RPG fan people who want us on Pinterest? Uh, I don't know. Maybe if they want to buy some of uh, um, Steph Sabidlo's wonderful art. But other than that, I can't think of it. That's a fair point. Well, yeah, but you can buy that on Redbubble. Yeah. Mm. That's true. Yeah. Go, go um, visit her Instagram. Visit her Redbubble. Yes. Please do that. All right. So also on RPG fan or on your podcast app, you can find our other podcasts. You can find our general gaming podcast, Random Encounter. And you might have heard something about Retro Encounter. I think it's come up three, four, or five times during this episode. But Solosi, who describes himself as a sometimes host, is also the... Are you producer, executive producer? Like, so I mean, uh, you're more than yeah, just a yeah. host. That is your yeah, show. Yeah, I am the most... Uh, it, I don't host every episode. I host most of them, and I I sort of think of myself as as sort of the podcast producer, uh, the pod the pod yes. father, if you will. And again, I the, I said on this, I said earlier I can't not be myself on podcasts, and uh, me on this podcast is is shouting out Retro Encounter. Yes, I mean, please do. Uh, okay, okay, sure. Oh. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weekly podcast of a variety of topics, and every month we pick a specific RPG to devote two episodes to discussing it in depth. Um, in 2021, I have to stop saying 2020 very soon. <laughs> um, we're doing uh, Batsun Kaitos, Eternal Wings in the Lost Ocean in January and Radiant Historia in February. Good choices. I'm, if I had the time, I would, I would crash that Radiant Historia one because I've been wanting to play that game for years. Well, you might hear about it very soon because that's the Yoko Shimomura soundtrack. Oh, that's true. All right. Thank you all for listening. If you have a moment and can review us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a review, Apple, Google, wherever you want to go. Um, we would appreciate that. It helps us get the word out about the show. And that's true for all the shows. You know, I'm not saying you have to just listen to our show and review all of our podcasts positively, but you should because I think they're all good stuff. So that about does it for today. Um, we do have a bonus track that someone here brought. So what are we going to close out the show with? So I said that my two favorite soundtracks from the last, like ever, were like from the last four years. Uh, but also one of my others was Octopath Traveler. Um, and I th and I think oh, that yes. my favorite track from Octopath Traveler is Determination. You said that's a boss theme? It is. It's, it's used other places as well, but it's often used as a boss theme, yes. Awesome. So for me, for Mike Slosey, for Zach Wilkerson... Thank you all for listening. We're going to close out with determination and we'll see you in a couple weeks.
Zach is an English teacher and I am maybe the most well actually person on RPG fans. So, so your fears may have been justified. I, I, I just, I'm a fact shark. If, if I don't recite a random fact once every hour, I may actually die. 